we thank you that you're in this place this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence, your closeness. You draw near to us, Jesus. Your presence is tangible. You changed our lives. And this morning we want to we wanna just worship you. We love you, Jesus. We love your name. We love who you are. And Lord, this morning I pray as we come around your word together that you would minister to us to strengthen us so that our lives can continue to grow and flourish under the, your beautiful care and provision. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Well, it is, it is so good to see you in church this morning. You may be seated. And we are looking forward to continuing to share the word of God. And we've been studying and looking at a whole series called Our New Life in Christ. And I last week began by talking from the book of Colossians. And how many of you remember I set homework? Yay, I set homework. So I said to you, wouldn't it be great to take the four chapters of the book of Colossians and take time to read that over this last past week? So I hope that you have been encouraged as you've read the book of Colossians. You know, many scholars believe that the book of Colossians is possibly one of the most significant letters that Paul wrote. And if you look at Colossians, you can see why. A lot of the first few chapters of of the book is really dealing with key Christian doctrine, what we believe, why we believe what we, we, what we believe, and the foundations of our faith. And then we go on to see how that has a practical outworking in our lives and what it looks like to live our new life in Jesus. So if you haven't had a chance to read Colossians, hey, it's okay. We've got a new week ahead of us. You can maybe pick it up and read it over this week. But I encourage you to do so because it is such an incredible letter of encouragement for us where we can gain strength. So last week we were looking at the book of Colossians and we talked about the fact that Colossians is a book of connections. And we said that we get connected with Jesus when we place our faith and trust in him. And then we went on to see that we continue in connection with him. And in doing so, we are given the power to live life. And what we see is by accepting Jesus, we begin the journey the journey doesn't end with Jesus. It's the beginning of our journey. And we see that as we um, begin to journey with Jesus, that he changes us, he transforms us, he changes our hearts, and he transforms our minds. And God's plan for each one of us is that we would journey to a place of maturity and completeness in him. The thing, the thing is about maturity in terms of the Christian walk is it doesn't just happen automatically. So it doesn't really matter whether you've been a Christian for 10 years or 10 months. You could have the same maturity level based on 
the way in which you have engaged on that journey, based on the way you have chosen to connect yourself in to what God has for us. And we can see this clearly in Colossians 2. It says this in verse 6, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. See, this process of maturing is all about us continuing to follow him. It's all about us continuing to allow our roots to go down into him and allow our lives to be built on him. So if we are going to grow, this is a very much an engaging part of our lives. We just don't sit there and then automatically a year later we've arrived. No, this is a process, an exciting process, a wonderful journey of us remaining in connection with us allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us so that we can truly flourish and be all that God wants us to be. So last week we looked at the culture in which the church in Colossians found themselves in and we talked about the fact that in one sense this culture is very similar to the culture in which we live now. There were a lot of people that had a lot of ideas about what the meaning to life was and how to connect to God and there were a whole mixture of philosophies, teachings, religions and practices, rituals, spiritual disciplines that they began showing people and they hinted with a little bit of Christianity in there but really it was a smorgasbord for everyone to chip in what they believed and so we see ourselves in a very similar situation and culture today where there are a lot of voices professing a lot of things about how we can live life well, how we can live our best life, how we can live the higher life, how we can find fulfillment. So into this smorgasbord of teaching, we find that the church here had had a real encounter with Jesus. The Holy Spirit had changed them and it was real. Their lives were being impacted. Paul comments at the fact that they were, the Holy Spirit was showing them how to love people like they'd never loved people before. Real work of God in their lives was happening. Yet, at the same time, whilst transformation of the heart had taken place, many of the believers in Colossae were listening to the wrong people, sharing the wrong messages, and as a result, they were being led into error. And Epaphras, who was a convert of Paul and the one that founded the church in Colossians, he was concerned because he could see that a work had begun, but he could see that people were getting diverted. And so he spoke to Paul about his concerns. And he said, because of their lack of knowledge concerning the things of Jesus and the finished work of Christ, they're listening to a whole lot of ideologies which are taking them off course. So Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, a church that he'd never met before, 
a church he'd just heard about from Epaphras, Paul in his book of Colossians takes this time to write this letter to establish key doctrines to this church, to let them know what Jesus had done, what he had accomplished, and the work that he had called us to live out as a result of what had taken place on the cross. He also began to show them how they could live this new life in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing our lives to be completely transformed from the inside out and being given power to do what Jesus has called us to do. So against this backdrop, we read last week about a prayer that Paul prayed at the beginning of Colossians 1. A prayer for this church to help them in their next steps. Yes, their lives had been changed. They were saved. Yet there was a next step on their journey if they were to become mature, if they were to become complete in him. And we see that this prayer not only had significance for them, as the church in Colossae, but this prayer actually has great significance for us in the day that we live. And Paul here gives next steps. He provides a clear direction and it can help us to understand what we should place importance on as we walk this journey of faith, as we take this day by day, day by day, because we said last week, we'll never arrive. The school of Christ isn't a three or a five year program. And then we've read it, we've done it all and that's it. No, we don't. It's not that kind of journey that we're on. The school of Christ is something that takes place when we ask Jesus into our lives, but it's a journey that we will go on until we meet Jesus in heaven and we breathe our last breath. We will always continue to grow in him. We'll always continue to find out new things. We are always to be um, continuing to be mature in him. We'll never have just arrived. This journey is exciting and so Paul gives clear direction. And I'm going to read the scriptures that we read last week just in way of recap for us this morning. So we read last week, Paul in Colossians 1.9 says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know him better and better. Paul's prayer shows us that if we are to succeed in this new life in Christ Jesus, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Ignorance means lack of knowledge. And here Paul says he doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning the will of God. He says he wants us to have complete knowledge, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And we last week we talked about the way that we get filled with the knowledge of God's will is by reading and prioritizing the word of God in our lives. The word and finding out what God says about himself, about his character, about our lives, about his purpose for us and about his will for us. As we take time to engage in the word of God, we will be filled 
with the knowledge of his will. And he doesn't want us to just be half empty, we said. No, he wants us to be filled to the top and brimming over with what we know about God. And we talked about last week, this whole idea of knowledge. It's not just to be intellectual knowledge. It's all in the brain, all in our head. But no, the knowledge that Paul talks about is a knowledge that is intimate and personal knowledge. It's a knowledge that not only impacts our mind, but it penetrates our heart and our spirit so that it impacts every aspect of our lives. It's just not a head that knows it, but it's uh, um, us being in a place that we can take what what we've received to live it out through the power of the Holy Spirit, to allow that, that knowledge of his will to impact the way in which we live, to impact the way in which we see things, to impact the way in which we treat one another, to impact the way that we make decisions. This knowledge is to have a real personal application into our lives and we saw how it's powerful that when that happens, we saw that when we allow this knowledge to impact us and allow the Holy Spirit to work it out through us, that we end up living a life that honors God, that pleases God, that produces fruit, and that continues to grow as we get to know God better and better. And we also read that this life that we're called to live is not something that takes place in our own strength. God's not asking us to grow in our own strength. But no, he sent us the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives, both to will and to do his good pleasure. We read that actually the Holy Spirit will work in our lives to cause us to want to please the Father. As we yield to the Spirit's voice in our lives, as we yield to what the Holy Spirit asks us to do, our lives will walk in a way that is pleasing to him. I think our big challenge is we've got to choose to obey. And typically we like to do things our own way, don't we? And that's where we run into difficulty. But that is the wonderful provision that we found last week in those verses in Colossians 1. And we're going to continue to get to the end of this prayer today. And we're going to look again at how the verses we read can impact our lives, give us direction and help show us what our priority should be as we grow towards maturity in Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up in verse 11 this morning and it says this in Colossians 1. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in his light, in the light. So not only does God want us to know his will, to see that will practically outworked in our lives. But this prayer says that he wants us to be strengthened. I read that and I'm like, wow, strengthened. This whole idea of being strengthened with all of his glorious power. Because God doesn't want to lead us on a Christian life where we're fumbling. 
where we're weak, where we're deficient. But no, the Bible says that God's strength is for us for our day. And this whole idea of being strengthened is written in the continuous text, which means it's not a one-off strengthening we receive. And then that strengthening's got to see us through the many years of our Christian walk. No, being strengthened is a day-to-day strengthening. It's continuous. It's happening. It's always available for us, always there to help us and lead us and be all that it needs to be. So what are we strengthened with? Well, the Bible says we're strengthened with all of his glorious power. Think of that word, all. God has laid before each one of us all of his glorious power. He doesn't give us a segment and say, well, you can have a little bit of my power to see you through. But no, God says, actually, everything, everything that I have is at your disposal. Everything that he has is at our disposal. And not only that, it's not just all of his power, it's all his glorious power. This power is not deficient in any way. It's not leftovers. It's not what's left. It's not like, oh, do you know what? It was a really big deal when I did creation and I've just been sapped of everything. I've got a little bit of power left. So there you go. You can have it. No, the Bible says that we have to be strengthened with all his glorious power. Despite all the miracles that God has done down through the time, his power is still all sufficient. It is glorious. It is wonderful. And this is what you and I as believers get to draw upon for our lives. How exciting is that? We get connected with his glorious power. And that is so opposite to what we live in in our culture. Our culture will say to us, strength comes from within through discipline, through the way I think, through controlling things, I can within my own strength do this and have a successful life. But Paul here says, do you know what? It doesn't work like that with God. God is not asking you and I to provide any strength or any power for us to walk through this journey. He says, actually, leave yourself just at the background because you're not going to achieve a lot if you're going to rely on your own self to help yourself navigate through. And please allow me to strengthen you with all of my glorious power and all of my sufficiency because you will find yourself never lacking for anything when we allow him to strengthen us with his glorious power. So here Paul says we get to see the what in terms of this sentence. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to strengthen us. We get to see the how He wants to strengthen us with all his glorious power. But the question is, why? Why does God want us to be strengthened with all his glorious power? Now, when I read that, being strengthened with his glorious power, my mind goes to a film set. I'm in a script, and for me, I'm a superhero. I'm imagining these great exploits that are going to be done through my life, how things are going to change, people's lives are going to be changed. I see that. I'm like the superwoman here, doing great things. And if I was to look back and think about the Bible, I'm reminded of those stories where God demonstrates his glorious power, how he led the Israelites through the Red Sea, 
How Gideon took a jawbone of a donkey and slayed a thousand people. How Peter walked on water. And I think in my mind, oh my gosh, I've been strengthened with all of God's glorious power. This is wonderful. But as I began to navigate, meditate, and allow these verses to sink in, I was a little bit in shock, if I'm honest. Because verse 11 says this, we are strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all endurance and patience you need. Where's the mention of the great exploits I'm going to do? Where's the mention of the miracles that are going to take place from my life? My film script has just been completely deflated and ripped up in, in front of me. And instead, Paul says, I'm going to be strengthened with his glorious power for endurance and patience. I'll just be honest. Those two words don't get me very excited. They don't get me very excited because of this. When I think of endurance and patience, I think they sound hard. Because nobody talks about the words endurance and patience when things are going well and when everyone loves you. Endurance and patience are never used in those contexts. Endurance and patience are typically used when things are going tough and people are really annoying you. So I felt slightly miffed at reading this because I thought God's strength was going to empower me to do great exploits, to see miracles happen through my life. But here, in Colossians, Paul says that the power he gives me is not going to be for the great exploit. The power he gives me is to change me. It's to change how I live life and how I view others and how I deal with circumstance. And that doesn't undermine in any way that God's power throughout history and time continues to and has been used to do glorious things. People have been used to do glorious thing through, things through God's power. And he continues to strengthen us and use us to do glorious things through him. So I'm not saying and I'm not undermining God's ability to use us to do great exploits. Yet here Paul on the flip side says, perhaps of equal importance, if not more, is not the exploits that we do, but it's the God's power that's at work within us. It's his power that changes us. It's his power that gives us strong character. It's his power at work so that we can live well through the difficulties of life and challenges that sometimes we face. And character really isn't something that often our culture talks much about. We go to school to be educated with skills and knowledge in order to be able to fulfill a job and complete a role when we're older. But very little time is ever taken in school to educate us about the inner workings of our lives and having a strong character and how to navigate people and how to navigate difficult circumstances. But what I love is that God takes the time to say, this is important to me. 
Your character, my character is important to him. He doesn't overlook the aspect of character whereby where our culture may. But no, he, he says, no, I want us to look at your character because what happens within you is really important. But I also love it that God doesn't just say, right, spotlight on character, off you go, try and work it out yourself. He says, no, your character's important, but can I just let you know I'll never set you up to fail. So your character's really important, but I just want you to know that I'm going to give you every resource that you will need. I'm going to strengthen you with all of my glorious power so that you can have a strong character, so that you can have everything that you have need of. So we're going to just take some moments to have a look about the impacts that happen in our character as we allow God to strengthen us with all of his glorious power. And the first thing that we see is that Paul says that we will have endurance. So what is endurance? Well, endurance can also be translated steadfastness or perseverance. And when I think of endurance, for me, I think about athletes that have endurance athletes. I think about marathon runners. I think about cyclists that maybe take place in um, um, races like the Tour de France. And I think about the fact that this is just not a 100-meter sprint, but these athletes have trained so that they can go the distance. They've trained so that they can go the distance. And Paul says for us that we are to have endurance. When Paul talks about endurance here, it's interesting to note that Paul is talking about circumstances. Okay, so he's not talking about endurance with people. He's talking about endurance with our circumstances. And endurance means stickability. It means, has, it means it has the power to keep on going on when things are difficult. It's the quality of character that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb in the midst of trial. With endurance, it has the power to look forward past the pain in which we presently see and it looks forward beyond. Endurance looks forward beyond and endurance is hard work. To ask any um, athlete who is involved in endurance sport and ask them what their training regime looks like, it's a little bit more than 10 squats at the beginning of the morning or a few stretches before you go to bed at night. No, there's rigorous training that needs to be undertaken if you were going to be involved in endurance sport. And actually, again, the culture in which we live doesn't have a lot to say about endurance. We often read, oh, just give it up. I throw in the towel, it doesn't matter, just go on to something new. There's not a lot of things where people will say, stick with it, keep on pressing through, don't give up, this is too much to let go of. Our culture is, no, well, just move on to something new, something else will happen. And so whilst our culture may not have a lot to say about endurance, God actually calls us to it. God calls us to have endurance. In Hebrews 12, 
Starting in verse one, it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And if you've read Colossians this week, you'll see that Paul's really clear in helping us understand what those sins are. Those sins that would try to trip us off up and how we can overcome them. It then moves on to say, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love that these verses here in Hebrews calls us to live a life of endurance. But not only calls us to live a life of endurance, Jesus actually paves the way as an example of how we can live the life of endurance. Jesus is the forerunner. He's gone before us. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We can choose to fix our eyes on Jesus, which is what the author of Hebrews tells us to do here. We are able to run the race with endurance because we fix our eyes on him. That is a powerful principle we need to remember. If we are to run with endurance, our eyes need to be focused on him and the hope for which he has set before us. Don't go wandering through life, looking here, there and everywhere, hoping to run with endurance because you're gonna see people falling all the time. You're gonna hear people say you can't do it. You're not gonna have many people championing you if you're looking to the world and you're looking to people to, to be the answer to your question. But if we choose to focus our eyes on Jesus, he is the forerunner that's already endured everything that we have need on and we can say well God if you were empowered him to do it thank you you are going to strengthen me with your glorious power so that I too can run with endurance so Paul wants us to have endurance because he doesn't want us to quit and his encouragement is to us when we feel like we want to quit. He says, don't quit, get strength. Get my strength. You don't need to quit. You just need to ask for strengthening through the power of his glorious power. We don't need to quit when life gets difficult. We just need to draw and connect to him and say, God, I need you to strengthen me. I need your power to be real in my life at the moment. Because to be honest, I've fallen down a number of times and I feel like throwing the towel in. To be honest, there's not a lot of people that are championing me at the moment with my Christian faith. And if I look, perhaps I'm getting dazzled by what I see in the world. But Lord, will you strengthen me to help me carry on? Lord, will you strengthen me so that I won't become weary in doing good? Will you give me your strength so that I will be empowered to continue to walk in the way that you have called for me? God wants us to be strengthened so that we can have endurance in our lives. To keep on going, 
despite the week we may be having, despite the month we may be having, despite the year or the decade that we've had, that it would cause us to feel discouraged. Paul says, no, gain strength through his power so that you keep on going. Don't quit. Don't quit. God's there cheering you on at the other side of the race at the finish line saying, you can do it. Gain his strength. Paul then goes on to say that we will be strengthened not only for endurance, but we will be strengthened with endurance and patience. Now, endurance has to do with circumstance. Patience has to do with people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we struggle with this sometimes, don't we? Do you know what the word patience means? It means long-tempered. How many of us ever use the word long-tempered? We know we're short-tempered, but has anyone ever said, you are long-tempered? But do you know what? That's what patience is. It's having a long fuse. It's not exploding in a quick length of time. Patience describes an emotional calm and a quietness in the face of being provoked. Patience means self-restraint. It's the opposite to revenge. When we're patient, we're not, when we're patient, we're not hot-headed. We don't retaliate. It's amazing. Sometimes we are able to endure trying circumstances, but then we end up blowing up at our friends and our family. And I was thinking about this because this is real. It's real. Patience is what God says he wants to strengthen us with through his mighty power. It's real. And when I was thinking about this, I said, oh, Lord, strengthen me. I don't know if I can do it. And he said, Faye, I've said I'll give you strength. I'm not asking you to do this from your own reserve of patience. I'm asking you to draw on my power to strengthen you so you can be patient. And the word of God, I love it. God doesn't shy away from the things we struggle with. But instead, he pinpoints where we're at. And he says, right, this is where you're at. And this is how you're going to move to the other side. This is how you are going to be able to carry on. This is what I am going to do so that you can be patient. And the reality is God wants us to be patient because he is patient. In fact... It features in the fruits of the spirit list in Galatians 5, doesn't it? Patience will be a fruit of our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. And the word of God says we can receive strength from him in order to enable us to be patient with others. So Paul talks about us being strengthened for endurance and patience. Let's go on to carry on reading what else he says. He says, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Now I have to say, these verses have this week really rattled me. And I almost felt as if a bucket of cold water had been thrown over me when I got to these words, joy, May you be filled with joy and thankfulness. Because just like three or four words before, he Paul talks about endurance and patience. Now, endurance, patience, 
joy and thankfulness. I don't really feel that these words are kind of in connection with one another. Endurance and patience is on the one side, but surely joy and thankfulness happens when blessing and prosperity and easiness of life is taking place. Surely joy and thanksgiving isn't going to be something that's happening when I'm enduring a really difficult time and I'm being patient with really difficult people. But Paul here is again showing us actually this new life in Christ is completely different to anything you've experienced before. This new life that we have in Christ offers a whole different dimension to living. In fact, in Isaiah 55, it says this. My thoughts are not are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth... So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here we see Paul says, when we are enduring and when we are being patient with people, we're not to be walking around like a bear with a thorn in our um, foot. We're not to be walking around grumbling, complaining, low motivation, struggling. I can't do this. This is so difficult. Losing the will to live. Having the ability to just grin and bear it, thinking I can't do it. No, Paul says, that's not the new life that's found in Christ, that might be what comes natural to us. But actually, because we've accepted Jesus and he is transforming us, we don't need to do those old things anymore because God has given, has become our source. God has become our strength. And therefore, in the midst of enduring hardship, in the midst of going through difficult circumstances, in the midst of dealing with difficult people, our portion is still joy and on our lips is thanksgiving. So when we're going through difficult things, we shouldn't be grinning, groaning. We shouldn't be complaining. We shouldn't look despondent for life, but we should be filled with joy. And our thanksgiving should just be on our lips all the time. So what about joy then? Well, joy is not something that we can work up. Joy is something that the Holy Spirit works within us. So joy is not based on our own strength. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. The Holy Spirit is at work in us and he is the one that fills us with joy. We've just got to make sure that there's room in our lives for him to fill us. That we haven't filled ourselves up with a whole lot of rubbish that there's no space for him to fill anymore because we've already topped ourselves up with our own ideas and ideologies and our own grumblings and complainings. No, we need to empty ourselves of all of the things that sometimes we allow ourselves to be guided for. And we need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me with joy. Holy Spirit, fill me with joy. The thing with joy is it's not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on what people say or do or act towards us. Joy is something that happens regardless of good or favorable circumstances because God is the source of it. And you can see that when Paul writes Philippians. What a letter written about joy 
But Joy's not, um, Paul's not sunbathing on some beach as he's writing it. He's actually in prison and potentially about to be martyred. And yet Paul has this unlimited reserve of joy that he just has to share because God's changed him from the inside out. God's filled him completely with joy and hope. And he wants everyone to know that that is our portion for our lives. And the final aspect of thankfulness, our lives in Christ should always be characterized by thankfulness. God has done so much for us. And for a Christian, our lips should be filled with thankfulness. The Bible talks about it. He talks about us um, being so thankful. It's talked so often. And I think sometimes we can lose perspective. Again, we choose to focus here rather than focus here. And when we look at the things going on around us, we lose perspective, and so we forget to be thankful. We forget all the things that God has done, all the things he's promised for our lives, and all of the things he will do in the future. And Psalm 103 is a great psalm that talks about why we can be thankful, and you can read that in your own time. Straight after Paul talking about us being filled with joy and having a heart of thanksgiving, Paul says this. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul just brings our attention back to why we're thankful. What an amazing prayer that Paul prays in Colossians 1. Three verses, three verses to completely change our lives and transform us from the inside out. And you know, a lot of these verses have a lot to do about what God's going to do in our lives, how he's going to strengthen us, how he's going to empower us, how he's going to work within us so that we can walk a life that is pleasing to him. But there are some responsibilities that we need to take for our lives too. It's up to us to choose to fill ourselves with the knowledge of his will. We've got to make that step. And we have to be the ones that has thanksgiving coming from our mouths. He's not going to fill us with thanksgiving. We will be thankful because of what he has done. That is our choice of heart. That our lips will never cease being thankful. Colossians 1.5 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. So as we read these three powerhouse verses of prayer, we see that our lives in Christ can go from strength to strength as we become more mature, as we allow ourselves to feast on the word of God, as we allow ourselves to be filled with the knowledge of his will, as we allow the Holy Spirit and as we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit to live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And as we do that, our lives begin to bear fruit and we continue to grow as we get to know him better and better and then 
we can be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that this race that's set before us can be run with endurance that we'll get to the finish line. And not only get to the finish line, but along the way, as we navigate everything that goes on, difficult situations, we will be able to walk worthy of the people that are living around us, where we're not biting our heads off at them all the time, but we're patient with them. That we're showing ourselves to be like Christ is to us, so patient, so long-suffering with us. And as we walk this journey of following Jesus, that people will look at us from the outside and say, wow, what joy that person has. Wow, look at how they're able to go through those things and still be so joyful. And how is it that when they speak, they've got so much to be thankful for? These verses are so powerful. They change us from the inside out and they impact and affect us, body, mind, and spirit. Every aspect of our lives are transformed if we will engage and allow the Holy Spirit to work within us and allow him to work through us what we've read today. And I think that is so exciting. What I also want to say in closing we talked at the beginning of us looking at our new life in Christ through um, Colossians. We talked that Colossians is a book of connections. And one aspect we haven't covered about connections is the fact that when you and I make a decision to follow Jesus, each one of us get adopted into God's family. And we talked about that a number of weeks ago. We all become members of his family which means that you and I are connected with one another. We are connected together as believers and not just us here in Newport. We're connected with people over at the other end of the world in Hong Kong, in Africa, in um, China, in America. As believers, we are now all the body of Christ and we are connected together as his body. And I say that because it's really important to, for us to understand that our connection doesn't just happen with people that we hear and speak to. You see, Paul, when he wrote this prayer, to, and when he wrote the book of Colossians, like I said, he'd never met them, and yet he was connected to them. He was connected to them in the Spirit. And God's word for us and his will for us is to pray. Colossians, 1 Thessalonians 5, always be joyful, never stop praying. Do you know that because we are connected as his body, we're to pray for one another? And what I love about this prayer is Paul actually shows us how we can pray for people that we've never met before. People who we don't know what their circumstances are. We don't know what their needs are for their lives. This prayer actually outlines and empowers us to be able to pray well for people that we've never met before. You see, when we're praying, we can pray for other believers that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will. We can pray that they will have wisdom and understanding to apply that knowledge to their lives. We can pray that they live in a way that would be honoring um, and pleasing to God, that their lives would produce every kind of good fruit, and that they would grow as they learn to know Him better and better. 
We can also pray that they will be strengthened with God's glorious power so that they will have great endurance and patience and that they will always be filled with joy and thankfulness. Paul's prayer enables us to pray well into the lives of other people we've never met, but that we're called to because we're members of his body. So there's so much for us to get from this wonderful book in Colossians. And I, my prayer is that you've been encouraged by these verses that Paul gives to us and inspired to want to know more, to search the depths, to receive God's power, to be filled with the knowledge, to be able to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. You may be here this morning or you may be watching online and you say, you've talked about connections, but Faye, I'm not connected. I know I'm not. I'm listening to you, but I've never asked Jesus into my life. Well, this morning, I would love to lead you to make the best connection of your life. And that connection is in asking Jesus into your life. And Jesus doesn't ask us to clean up our act to come and follow him. No, he loves us unconditionally. He loves us as we are. And all he asks us to do is to place our faith and trust in him. He'll do the rest. He'll, he'll lead us on this journey as we continue with connection with him. But he says, will you just do this one thing? Will you just believe in my name? So this morning, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your life, why don't you follow me in a simple prayer? Why don't you say something like this? Say, Jesus, thank you, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life so that I could have a connection with God through you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I'm making mistakes all the time. And I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I need you to become my Savior and my Lord, where you guide me. Thank you for what you're going to do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, honestly, you have prayed the best prayer and made the best connection for your life. And our encouragement to you would be to get yourself um, a Bible. And we've got a Bible at the back if you're here. If you're watching online, we'll send you a Bible. Just message us. We'll get you there. Begin to read the Bible and get involved in church. And like I said, this is a journey that we're on. We never will have arrived. And God takes us in stages through our lives. So don't think that you have to have it all together by next week because we are all works in progress. But the thing is, when we choose to connect, with God and we choose to stay in connection with him he leads us and guides us and helps us on this journey so that we can grow in him so be blessed everyone have a great week and we are gonna stand to worship right now just before the service closes God bless you